Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Thank you very much. Did everybody walk by faith? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Well, this morning I've been told I've got to give a short message. John was supposed to be giving the message, then they realized it needed to be short, so they asked me. Um, I'm we're in a series where we're talking about faith. This is the beginning of a series talking about faith, and it's something we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about journey by faith. So singing about walking by faith is really rather appropriate. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I am a bit of a fan of is maps. And when I first came to Perth, 1999, I found one of these things. Obviously, it wasn't the 2021 edition. But I I found that almost every person had one of these in their car. Did anybody else here have one of these? Yeah. Um, And I I was amazed because back home in Scotland, you just kind of follow the roads and see where you end up. You know what I mean? Occasionally, you pull out a big map. But there was nothing as kind of concise and easy to use as the UBDs. And so... I thought it was great. These were in every car. You can flip them open. Obviously, you could tell that those that were students had borrowed them from their parents because they were the older versions and you had to make up the new streets and things as they were developed. But it was fantastic because as someone who was new to Perth, in order for me to get anywhere in the city, all I had to know was where I was and where I wanted to end up. And I could follow by flicking through the pages, and you could go down through the pages or up. If you were going down, you had to jump about 20 pages. But that was all right. You could figure out and navigate your route and know where you were going. I'm quite lucky. I've got a fairly good memory. And so when I understand and I look at the route, I can then follow it in my head as I drive. So that was brilliant for me. And so everywhere I went... I would flip open, because I love maps, good excuse to look at a map. Everywhere I went, I'd flip open and I would check. But then, then we tend to get a little bit lazy, don't we? And we get to the point where we're like, I know where I'm going, so I don't need to look at the map anymore. Well, I must admit, these days, I still flip open Google Maps. And if I'm going somewhere, because what I've learned is, whilst, whilst those, uh, the, the past map from one day to another, unless somebody got in and ripped out a page just to be funny, right? But, but the main thing is, they didn't change. Whereas nowadays, we have live maps that can tell you, if you check your route last thing at night before you're planning to go somewhere in the morning, you're better to check it again in the morning because they'll update the best route based on traffic, accidents, other things going on, different times of days, you've got different amounts of traffic flowing in different directions, all these types of things. So I get in the habit when I get in the car and I'm going anywhere, because I know I have no idea what's happening in the traffic systems in the world. 
Yeah, even if you flip on the radio, they only update you on traffic reports for certain places, and it's usually just the freeway they care about. Um, and so they tell you about things, but they don't always tell you what's happening on your route. But if I flip on open Google Maps, I can follow the blue line, and it will direct me to where I need to be. Just adjust this so I've got it, because otherwise I'll have no idea how long I'm taking. Well, it's interesting that, that we get into the place, but you know what I realized? I realized that I got into the habit of every physical journey I was taking, I would check the route. I would check to see if there were any obstacles in my path. I would check to understand if today when I journey down that route, going somewhere I've gone multiple times before, would there be a problem today that means I've got to take a different direction? But then I realized I wasn't doing that for the other parts of my life. When I go to work, when I go to meet with clients, when I go into other kinds of meetings, when I go out to spend the day with my family, when I do different bits and pieces like that. Because I'd not got used to using any kind of map to navigate those, I wasn't checking in to see what I should be doing as I move into those spaces. I want to share a story, or a couple of stories, actually. You'll be glad to know they're from the Bible, so we're sticking to... Um, in Exodus 17, now for those of you scholars amongst, you'll know that Exodus 17 is where they've just had the Red Sea parted, they've crossed over, they've escaped out of Egypt, they're now moving into the desert, and they're beginning to navigate in the desert and settle into life, kind of wandering around for 40 years on an 11-day journey, okay? Um, and they come to this place, and it says... The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of Sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. If you remember, they were following the, the pillar of fire and the smoke, and they were going in the cloud of smoke as they traveled. Traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded, they camped at Rephidim. There was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty. The pe sorry, the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massah and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? They just entered. Now, 
How many people have walked around their house a few times? Yeah? When you begin to walk around your house, you turn the light on. My darling daughter turns on every light to navigate her way around the house. And then she very handily leaves them on in case anybody else ever wants to follow her in the direction she's gone. Um, But as we get older and we become more attuned and more used to traveling through our homes and the places we're familiar with, we don't need to turn the lights on as often. I can navigate in the dark when I get up early and everybody's still sleeping and I've got to get up and go to the gym or go to work or things like that or in the middle of the night. You can get up and navigate without turning all the lights on because you're really, really familiar with the route you're taking. But what happens if someone moves the furniture? Yeah. You bang into it. Yeah. Something comes along and they change what you're familiar with. So here was Moses in a situation. And he's in the desert. And he do, it's the first time he's ever been in that situation. And so he turns to God and says, God, tell me what to do. The people are quarreling, they're all getting, abusing him, they're shouting, they're screaming, they're blaming Moses for everything. And now they're in this place, and God gives them a simple instruction. And Moses dutifully follows the instruction he's given. And boom, his faith is answered, and the people are provided with water from a rock. Yeah, all it took was a tap of a stick. Now, I don't know about you, but I've tapped a few rocks with sticks in my time, and I've never seen any water come out of them, okay? So it takes faith to draw water from a stone. Interestingly enough, the Bible recounts that almost 40 years later, just before they were about to cross another river, they find themselves back in exactly the same place with exactly the same problem. In Numbers 20, in the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh, where Miriam had died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Same problem, same place. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this wilderness that we and our livestock should die here? They've still got the same complaints. They're still saying the same stuff. 40 years in the desert and they're still going on. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance, to the tent of meeting, and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. But then he said something different. He said, Speak to the rock before they rise, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence. And just as he had commanded him, he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm 
and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and where he was proved holy among them. Forty years later, but it's the same people, the same problem, the same place. Now Moses turns to God. And then he disregards what God says to him and does what he always done the first time. See, we can get up in the morning and we can go through our routine of flicking through our Bible and praying or whatever other things that we can get in the habit of doing, which are good things. But if we don't actually listen to what God says to us and have faith enough to move into a space that it's not about going, God, I'm going to tick a box, then I'm going to get on with what I'm doing for the day. You know, this journey by faith This walking by faith is about beginning to ask God, where do I put my foot today? When I start taking steps, where are those steps going to lead me? What am I going to encounter along the route? How far do I have to go? Which are the edges that I might have to avoid? Moses asks God, Here I am, we've got a problem, how do we solve it? And God tells him how to solve the problem. And Moses walks up to the rock, and he's got his stick, because God told him to take the stick. But what did God tell him to do with it? He told him to speak. But what did he do? He struck it twice. And as a result of striking it twice, God still honored and provided. Yeah, we have an abundant God who provides our needs. God loves his people. And he still honored and he still poured out the water. But he said, Moses, you had an opportunity. You had an opportunity to reveal to the people that the power isn't in your stick. The power is not, because let's be honest, this staff that Moses carries, the people of Israel have witnessed it perform miracles. Yeah? The staff went into the Red Sea and it parted. The staff struck the rock the first time and the water gushed forth. There was an opportunity here for God to totally reveal that, hang on a second, it's just a stick. Without the power of God, that stick is just basically pre-ready firewood that you're carrying around in case you need it later. Yeah? So we we got to this space, and Moses is in that space. And Moses gets told, because of as a result of what you've done, you will never enter the promised land. When we walk by faith, we've got to take the time to listen. We've got to be able to understand. When when my phone suddenly halfway along the route comes up and goes, sorry, we're diverting you, and it changes the route... I still follow the blue line, mainly because I can't remember where the other blue line was going, but I still follow the blue line, right? How many of you are open in your daily lives, your daily work, the ventures and the things that you're doing to have 
a diversion come across your path from the Lord where he suddenly says, you know you thought you were going here? Actually, need you to hang and turn left. How many of us are in that space where we're willing for that to take place and obedient enough to listen when it comes? I know personally, you, you may or may not be aware, but... Um, Last year, the world was hit by a disease called COVID. I'm really pleased to say that uh, right now, we are now in what they call phase five, so all restrictions have been removed from WA. Oh, it's changed again. Oh, pardon? Oh, okay. Okay, there's more, there's more changes again. Okay. Um, well, it was nice while it lasted. Uh, we had three days of freedom. Um, But during COVID, I run my own business, for those of you that aren't aware. I'm not a pastor. I don't work in the church or for the church. I work in his church. Um, but I run my own business. And as a consultant, as someone who goes into businesses to help them, support them, train them, when COVID hit and they weren't allowed extra bodies on site, guess who was first to get kicked out? Which was tough. Because for the best part of a year, if it wasn't for the government giving us handouts, I would have had almost zero income. Now, in that space, I have also, in WA, helped found and lead what is now, what was the, is the WA chapter of what is now the world's largest marketplace ministry. And so I was teaching people for almost a decade how to live kingdom finance-wise. But then this whole fear aspect comes in, okay? And how many of you know that fear is actually the opposite of faith? Yeah? It's the, it's the opposite end of the tangent, okay? When we allow fear to constrict us and stop us doing stuff, we're actually not living in a place of faith. And whilst in my brain, I'm teaching, I'm teaching people that we should be tithing, that we should be overflowing, that we should be blessing, that we should be pouring out. As my own income dried up and I could see no end in sight for what was going on, I'm still thinking in that mode, but my physical actions are dragging me into a place where I'm going, I can't really afford to pay tithes. I can't afford to be blessing and doing all these things because I barely got enough for myself. And you get drawn into a place and before you know it, you're so distant from the faith journey you know you should be walking because fear, little by little, has managed to constrain you and pull you back and restrict you and draw you to a place whereby now you're not doing the things that you know by faith that you should be doing. You're struggling. When we get into that place, we start to try and do things by our own strength. Now, I'm fairly competent. I'm physically fit, I'm mentally quite acute. I can solve a lot of problems. In fact, I, what I do is solve problems for businesses every day. So it's really natural for me to fall into a space where I try and solve all my own problems. But that's not living by faith. Now don't for a second think that I'm saying we do nothing, we just sit there and go, come on God, you do it all. But we are supposed to submit to God everything that we have and that we do and say, God, what do you want me to do with that which you have given me? 
so that when I solve a problem, when I do these things, I do it out of your blessing. Back when we first came back to Australia, I was traveling all over Southeast Asia in the kind of similar job to what I do now, but I'd have to fly into places. And my boss would phone me and he said, look, you've got a week. By the end of the week, we need to turn this business around and we need to have about 2 million annual profit coming out of it. It's currently not making any money. I'll speak to you on Friday. So that's me on a plane on Sunday. And uh, there's nothing more encouraging to pray than when you're in a situation like that. And what I would do is I'd pray and I'd say, God, I have no idea how we're going to do this in one week. If you don't step in, I'm probably going to have to find a new job. And without fail, every Friday, we didn't just hit our targets, we'd exceeded them. Because I didn't try to do things my way. I said, God, what do you want me to do? But in this situation over the last year, I'd found myself getting back into a space where I'm trying to do all this stuff, and everything I'm trying to do is hitting brick walls and failing miserably. Just everything. And I'm thinking, God, where are you? And then it dawned on me. I wasn't even listening to know where he was or where he wanted me to go. So little by little, still struggling for finances, not really having a map of any more work or anything else coming on the schedule. Nadia and I got together and we prayed and we said, we're going to start doing everything that we know we should be doing when we're here, when we're in a place of faith. Because moving and operating from a place of faith isn't about your current circumstances. We can let the world try and dictate and tell us that our current reality is so horrible that to live by faith and to live by everything that the Bible teaches us is something for all those blessed people that are over there. But do you know how those people got blessed and got there? They started to live by faith. Remember the parable where the, the lady with the two mites? And Jesus said, She's giving out of more abundance than all the wealth that you guys are giving because it hurts. And so we started. And then God just steps in. He stepped in. Our year's worth of backlog of debt from having no income has gone. We're still rebuilding the business and doing bits and pieces, but we're doing it from a zero point, not from a negative point. Because God steps in. And all we did was we started getting back into what we should be doing when we live by faith. The beauty about this book is that it's designed to help us live our lives. It's designed to help us understand God. It says clearly that we have the mind of Christ. We can tap directly into the mind of Christ. And I love what Christ says. He says, I don't do what I do for my own sake. I don't do what I do for my own good. I do what I see the Father doing. See, even Christ would spend every day praying to figure out where he was to go and what he was to do. He lived an example of living by faith. He didn't just talk about it. He didn't just go, look, this is what you should do. He didn't say, right, I you, you go off and do that. Tell me what it's like when you get back. He walked the talk. 
I'm going to share another story from another Bible that I get to read from on a regular basis. Um, This is Hopi's Bible. Hopefully she won't mind me borrowing it. In 2 Kings 4, there is a great story of the example of faith. The jars of oil, you may be familiar with the story. Elisha helped many people. And one day he met a woman. She was very upset. She said, please help me, I owe a man some money. If I don't pay him, the woman said, he will make my sons become his slaves. So Elisha asked her, do you own anything? She said, I have a little oil. Elisha said, gather some empty jars from your friends. It says some in this translation. If you go to most of the adult translations, it says, don't ask for just a few. Gather as many as they'll give you. Then go inside and pour your oil into them. Now, logic can kick in, right? This is the thing that we've got to remember with God. God isn't confined by the laws of this earth. Yeah? He created them. He's not confined by them. Because logic can kick in, and this is the problem with us human beings. We can sometimes let logic kick in too much. And it's our logic that brings us back to this place of, it'll never work, that can't work, that's insane. How can I give away money and end up with more? How can I do something completely bizarre? We, we had a pastor's breakfast just over a week ago, and I'd allotted, I was laying out and structuring how the meeting was gonna go, and I'd allotted one guy enough time, 20 minutes, to do five, have five people give short testimonies. And I thought, this is a room full of pastors. There's no way it's gonna work. And he turns to me at the last minute and goes, I've decided instead of five, we're gonna have six testimonies. I'm like, we're really sunk now. Because we were trying to keep to schedule and all these other things. I watched in that room as that microphone went around and I can tell you without word of a lie, every person there blew the budget on their speaking. Yeah, it was like six John Fords all gathered around with a microphone, okay? They totally blew it. They they weren't concerned with the time. They just wanted to share what was on their heart, and they went for it. And I had my watch at the end of their time, and I looked at my watch, and I went, we finished early. Now, that's not possible, okay? Okay? It, it just isn't. It doesn't work. Your brain sort of starts to break. And I love Doctor Who, and it still breaks my brain, right? But it happened. It was real. God works and does things that totally blow us away, whether it's physical healing, whether it's the disruption of time. We talk about the translation of people. He does stuff. Anyway, the woman obeyed, and God made her tiny bit of oil fill all the jars, Now, there's an interesting point that you might remember. Why did the oil run out? She ran out of jars. The oil didn't run out until after she ran out of vessels to pour it into. 
It didn't run out and she said, oh, thankfully, we, that was the last pot anyway. She ran out, she couldn't find any more pots, and then it stopped. What God wants to do in your life isn't ever limited by him. What God wants to see and happen in your life, the blessing he wants to pour into each and every one of you, is never limited by him. But I guarantee we limit it every day. Yeah? How many vessels are you putting out for God to fill? This woman, she sold all the oil and paid the man back. But not only that, she had enough abundance out of the overflow to take care of her family with the leftover money. Hallelujah. Don't we worship an amazing God? He doesn't just want to give you just enough to survive. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel or any of that rubbish, right? But you have a God who wants to bless you in all things, okay? He wants to meet your needs. But it requires us to listen and obey. And when we listen and obey, we move into a place where we live and we walk by faith. We get guided by God as opposed to figuring out what's my map for my life that I'm going to work to. What's my map that I'm going to work according to. Because the thing about the map you've got for your life, when God steps in, it's out of date. We need live updates. We need constant streaming to help us every day through where we go. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all of your ways submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. I encourage you If you're like me, when I start reading verses like that, I start to get God, start to point out maybe where I'm not quite as submitted to him as I want to be. Maybe I'm not quite as submitted to him as he wants me to be. That there's always a small corner. There's always a small piece. And this is a journey. We talked about it being a journey of faith. Day by day, as we become less of us, and more of him. We're told to die to self daily. And to me, that's tearing off a new chunk that's not submitted to him and handing it over. Tearing off a new piece and going, you know, God, I know what I want to do today. What do you want me to do today? As I step out into the things that he calls me to, Matthew 6.33 says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. We've got to stop worrying about the things of the world and start just glorifying in the things of Jesus Christ because he is the one true living God. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.